No, God is so good. I think about this great man of God, the Apostle Paul. Do you all know what's really happening now as we inch towards the end of Acts in chapter 20? Paul is already sensing that his life on earth is drawing to a close. And he's now, I won't necessarily say wing the churches from him, but he's preparing them. In a sense, it's kind of like Lord Jesus did on the night in which he was betrayed. Remember the Lord sitting there in that upper room with 11 disciples? Well, actually, there were more than 11 disciples there, but 11 apostles. They had no idea that the time for Lord Jesus on earth is really have come to a closure. And so he was preparing them to be in the world without him. And you can see Paul doing this to the Ephesian elders. This is one church that we see everybody that's absolutely doing everything right. It won't be until some years in the future while John is on the island of Patmos and Lord Jesus brings John to heaven and he writes these letters to the seven churches. And the first one on the list is Ephesus. And Ephesus is a powerful church because Lord Jesus said, he said so. He said, you're doing everything right except one thing. He say, you forgot to continue to love me. In other words, they got caught up in too much ministry. And we can do that. I, I am guilty. Since these sisters got jobs, I've been working so much here sometimes, I'm so exhausted that I fall asleep praying. I fall asleep reading the Word of God. Even there at the desk, people, I've had guys walk in, you sleep? Yeah. And so, this church though, is the first one that we will see Paul warn them of something. He said, now when I leave, you make sure you watch over this flock. You make sure you protect them. Now, isn't this a parallelism to what Jesus told Peter down the shores of the Sea of Galilee? When he asked Peter, he said, do you love me? You all remember reading that. And he asked them three times, do you love me? What was he saying to Peter? Each, after each question, he said, feed my sheep or what? Feed my lambs. He was telling Peter, take care of my church. And now Paul is doing a similar thing with the Ephesian elders. And they're wondering, where's all this coming from? You know, I mean, he's giving them some powerful warnings. We're going to see it in the scriptures. And then we're going to transition over to Ephesians 1. He's writing this letter from prison to them because they're in his heart. And he wanted to make sure that they're okay. And in that, 
This is when Paul really goes deep, deep, deep into the things of God in his letter to the Ephesian church. And as we see that, he's going to urge them to seek three things from God and Lord Jesus. And these are the three things that you and I should be seeking every day. Here, here are those three things. Little kids, pay attention because you need to understand. He said, the first thing I want you to do, he said, I'm praying that you will have knowledge. What does that mean? That means get in the word of God and know it. Have knowledge of God, the Father, and have knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, why is that important to know? Number one, God is so awesome, so incredible, so mighty, so good, so great, right? So I want you to know him in a loving, intimate way. Have knowledge of him. And then I want you to have knowledge of his son. Because one of the problems with the Jews was that they didn't have a whole lot of knowledge about the son, did they? Unless they knew prophecy. As I was sharing with Dick this morning from Jeremiah chapter 23, when Jeremiah was talking about him coming and being king, sitting up on David's throne, and how, how Balaam, the false prophet of all people, God allowed him, he said, I see him, but he's not close. He's coming, but way in the future. And that's why Israel was still in the desert, still in the wilderness. They had not occupied the promised land. And so Paul is encouraging this church. Find out about the things of Christ. Find out who Jesus is. Find out who the Son of God is. And I encourage you all today, not only know God, because you, it's impossible to know God without knowing Jesus. Amen. Know Jesus. Okay? And then the third thing, and I'm going to tell you about, then we'll go into prayer. He said, understand them. Understand them. Okay? Understand God. How do you understand God? Everybody look at me, so I know I got your attention. How do you understand God? How do you understand the Lord Jesus Christ? In prayer. Amen. You spend time with the Lord God and with his son Jesus in prayer. Amen. And we see a very close illustration of this is when Moses, Moses walked with God. And the Bible tells us in one of the Psalms, Psalms 107, it said that God showed the children of Israel his might, his power. They saw the demonstration of the plagues from God upon Egypt. They saw the parting of the Red Sea. They saw water coming out of a rock. They saw the mighty hand of God at work. But it says, now Moses, God showed Moses his heart. In other words, the word there is way. God showed Moses his character, his personality, his true self. Now that's different. In other words, Paul said, God wants you to take time. And I, I didn't put the third one in there. I counted too fast. The third one is wisdom. Once you get to know God and Lord Jesus, once you get a working knowledge of them, 
Once you understand who they are, the Father and the Son, and they govern creation. It doesn't matter what's going on around us. Right now, the world is crying out. People in Italy are hurting. People in Louisiana are hurting in other parts of the world from these disasters. But guess what? God and Jesus are still the sovereign authority over this universe. Amen. Okay? And they're still intimately involved in the lives of men. And so Paul is encouraging the Ephesian church, these elders, understand and know who they are. Know who they are. Get in the word of God. Get in there and get a relationship with them. And then understand who they are. And when you do that, whew, let me tell you, no devil in hell can stop you. Like my wife, I, I believe it or not, I've been learning so much from her lately, and she don't even know it. And my daughter and I, point, we were talking last week, and she said, Dad, do you notice every time mom say the devil is a liar, something happens? Have you ever noticed that, Maurice? That means things change in our favor every time she say that. And I didn't realize how powerful that statement is. Every time stuff is not going right, she said, the devil's a liar. When those folks said that we had to pay $8,200 the other day for Marquise to stay in school, she said, the devil's a liar. A few minutes later, get a call from Ms. Nelson, y'all come back to the finance office. Where's Marquise at? He's in school. <laughs> hey man, y'all didn't catch that. That's faith. That's understanding who your God is. That's knowing who he is. So when we do that, when we have knowledge of God, when we have wisdom, in other words, the, the ability to apply what you already know from them in your life situation, then you watch God move. That's right. Then that, that song that y'all like to sing and Brother Dave be plucking that dog on guitar. Okay, there's power in the name of what? There's power in the name of who? Come on, somebody, make the devil mad. There's power in the name of who? Every time you say that, you understand that that is a living reality, that things are going to happen. Why? Number one, the Bible says so. That's knowledge, right? And then you understand your God, he's not going to let you down. Okay, he will never leave you, forsake you. Amen? Amen. And then understanding that you apply that, that's wisdom to your life. And then you help others apply it to their lives. And so that's the powerful word of God from the man of God to the people of God. Isn't that awesome? And that's what we're going to see today. We're going to see some sadness starting out. As Luke writes about this account that Paul is saying his farewell to the Ephesian elders. In between there, he goes and he stops at Ephesus, then he gets on the road, and what his brother's busy, going from place to place sharing the gospel, but then he returned back near Ephesus and he calls for them. And they show up. And he gives a warning. Men, they begin to weep. Because the brother says one thing. Here's what he said. He said, my face, you shall see no more. And that broke their hearts. Because for three years, that brother stayed with them. And he taught them up close and personal about God the Father 
and Jesus Christ, the Son of God, our Lord. He taught them and demonstrated under the power of the Holy Spirit things that men only dreamed of. This brother is awesome. So with every head bowed as we get ready to go in the Word of God. Jesus Christ, the Son, has not changed. God the Father has not changed. And the Spirit of the living God has not changed. And they're still working in the hearts of men and women around the world. And he's working, somebody heard it, thank you Jesus. So every head by our Father in the name of Jesus, I pray now Lord that as I decrease in this message and I pray Lord by the Holy Ghost that you increase right now that your children would see you Lord Jesus through the eyes of this servant of yours Paul who's with you now and that the father's heart will be pleased as not only as he see his word goes out to his children but his children like sponges are soaking it up and Lord and applying it to our lives and to the lives of our friends and so, Lord God, we're praying now for Miss Marie, your daughter, her sister. Lord, we know that now the final chapter has been written in Miss Marie's sister's life. And that you're about to transition her from this life to the next. Lord, will you strengthen those sisters? They've been together for a very long time. And they're going to miss their sister. But you gain your daughter because she belongs to you. And Lord, as you told us in your word in Psalms 116, how beautiful is the death of your saints to you. You don't grieve, Father, when your children die. You rejoice because they come to you. And so, Lord, thank you for being there with Miss Marie. She's a precious little jewel, a little pistol. And strengthen her sisters and the one in which you're about to bring home to you. Lord, let her be courageous as your angels come to ex escort her into your presence, Lord Jesus. And Lord, for those of us that are back here, Lord, will you help us to not only walk worthy of the calling you've given us, but Lord, help us to be your shining light here that others may see Jesus in us. And glorify you, Father, that sits upon the throne. And Lord, for the earthquake victims in Italy. Lord, people are hurting. And even the earth is crying out because blood has been spilled. Lord, a lot of folks lost their lives. An entire city is gone. And then, Lord, over 45,000 people, homes in southeast Louisiana, just demolished by water. Father, those people are crying and they are, they're not understanding. Does this mean that the people of Italy and the people of Louisiana are wicked and more, more than others? No, Jesus, you said, on, unless we all repent, we, we shall likewise perish. And we're praying, Father, for restoration. We're praying for a healing and we're praying for a blessing and favor for these people, for the victims that are yet alive. And we're praying for Israel, Lord, your chosen people. They are still the apple of your eye. And we're asking you, dear God, 
Father, will you take Israel into your bosom? And will you allow your spirit, your peace to dwell in your holy city, Jerusalem? And then God, back here in these United States, Father, will you bring salvation to every hamlet, every forest, Lord God, every city, every village, every town, Lord, every highway and byway, the mountaintops and the valley lows, from the north to the south and the east and the west, allow your name to be proclaimed, Lord God, in the name of your son, Jesus. Holy Spirit, bring it forth like a mighty Russian wind. Bring revival into our land. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Sister Vicki. God be magnified. And we're going to drop down in, 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 in Acts chapter 20, verse 17. Once again, Paul has been busy on the mission field. Out planting churches, as we like to call it today. I don't like to call it planting churches. I, I, I like to call it being obedient to Jesus, making disciples of the nations. Because that's, that's what he's doing. Verse 17. Acts chapter 20, verse 17. Hear the word of God. From Miletus, he sent to Ephesus and called for the elders of the church. I want, uh, I want to keep in mind, from a Greek point of view, an elder was someone around the age of 50 and older. <laughs> you hear me? An elder is someone around 50 years old and older. That's right. So they did not put novice in charge of the churches. And the problem we see today, too many novices are running around calling themselves bishops and elder this and doctor that, and they're in charge of God's house and only been in the world two days. They have no life experience, and yet... They're in charge of mega churches. Look up the term elder and you will see that God called men who had good reputations in their communities, men who had been in those communities for a while. They did not call outsiders to head up these churches. God pulled these men from within their own communities. Men who love him and his son Jesus, and God established them. And the people knew. And also in those days, which is different than today, people had a respect for who? For elders. Nowadays, I see them giving them the finger, they cuss them out, they shoot them. But during Paul's time, if an elder walked up among a Young people, guess what the young people did? They stopped whatever they were doing and they paid attention. Nowadays, an older gentleman walk in a room, guess what the young bucks keep doing? They keep on doing what they're doing and may not even speak. That's just a little side note for you. The difference in times. Okay? 
So now he's called for the elders of the church. And when they had come to him, he said to them, now listen to the resume. Listen to the work that the man of God had done among these people. Now remember, these are Gentiles. These are not necessarily Jews. These are Gentiles. Okay, that means people like me and you. You know from the first day that I came to Asia, this is, this is a, the, the, the western part of Turkey. And it was known as Asia. And what man I always lived among you. What is he saying there? He said, you know that I lived a godly life before you. In other words, he practiced what he preached. Serving the Lord with all humility, with many tears and trials which happened to me by the plotting of the Jews. Now, so you, that tells you that statement right there that he's talking to Gentiles, right? That his own people was coming against him. And, and let me tell you something. Sometimes the most difficult uh, people in the life of people in ministry is people from their own bloodline. Yes. Hello. And let me tell you, just because you're that man's wife or that woman's husband, a son or daughter, a brother or sister, don't mean God going to cut you some slack for interfering with the work of God and that person. Are y'all hearing me back there? Because if you don't believe me, go to Numbers chapter somewhere around chapter 12 where Moses, Miriam, and Aaron, y'all know those three names? Who are they? Aaron is who to Moses? Brother. Moses' brother, the oldest brother. And who is, who is Miriam? Moses' sister. Moses' sister. By the way, Miriam is just another name for Mary. Isn't that interesting? So they got beside themselves. They, they, they got in their brother's face and started talking trash to him because he had married an Ethiopian woman. And you know what? Guess who heard it? I'm kind of going off track here a little bit, but you need to know this. God heard it. And God said, you three, bam, bam, bam. Meet me in the tent of meetings. Otherwise, the tabernacle where they met and worshiped God. Outside the camp, God said, meet me there now. And when they got there, God got in their face. And it wasn't pretty. Read the story and you'll find out. That's just a little sidebar note there. But listen, the Jews were giving this brother a hard time. Simply because he was preaching who? Jesus. Is there any difference today? Don't you have relatives tell you that? I don't want to hear that. Why you got to always talk about Jesus? Is there anyone else to talk about more worthy? Uh, uh, by the way, just in case you didn't know it, boys and girls, I, I want to teach you something really quick here. God used Jesus to create you and me. That's right. Oh, y'all thought he was just hanging on the cross, huh? No, 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 no. He was the one put that dirt together. Jesus, the son of God. He was the one took and blew the breath of life into you. Read John 1.1. 1, 1. Read Paul's letter to the Colossian church. 
Jesus is the author of creation. And John tells you that nothing came into existence without him. And that he gave life to every man coming into the world. So who's your creator? Jesus. Jesus. You want to talk trash about him again? No. <laughs> Hello, somebody. No. So here we have it. He said these Jews were giving him a hard time. In verse 20, he said, I kept back nothing that was helpful, but proclaimed it to you and taught you publicly and from house to house, testifying to Jews and also to Greeks, repentance towards God and faith toward our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, as a Jewish person, if someone came up to you and said, you need to repent, you said, what? What is that? Because there was a belief out there that if you was Abraham's descendant, I mean, you were Jewish, right? You were automatically saved. Otherwise, you had a ticket in. You see, John the Baptist refuted this kind of understanding. Read Matthew chapter 3. And it's very clear, everybody, when, when, when the religious leaders that was back in the temple, the high priests and all them, when they were there and John was down in the Jordan River baptizing people, and they wanted, who is this weird looking dude down there wearing camel hair, right? With a leather belt, you know, tied around his waist and eating wild honey and, and, and locusts. And they sent people and said, he's down there telling people to repent. What? For a Jew, do what? Repent? They sent temple police down there to spy him out like, okay, there, there he is. We got him. All right. Listen to what he's saying. And John looked up and saw them. You know what he said to them? You brood of vipers. Who have warned you to flee from the wrath to come? Well, what does that mean, brood of vipers? Anybody know what that means? A brood is a gavin, is a cluster, right? And then you, there it is. It's a cluster of snakes. And what does he mean by who have warned you to flee from the wrath to come? Well, whenever the desert would catch on fire, anything in its path would do what? Would be consumed. It would perish. So, unless those vipers could outcrawl that fire, guess what happened? They perished in the fire. So John said, who had warned you to flee from the wrath to come? But he wasn't talking about that kind of fire, but the fire of who? The fire of God. And then he told them something that really, really bust their bubbles. Here it is. That's why, that's why he would tell the Ephesian elders to learn who God is. In other words, knowledge. Here's what John the Baptist said. Y'all ready? He said, don't come here telling us that you're Abraham bloodline. Huh? In other words, don't come here telling me you are Abraham's descendants and you think you are automatically saved. Some of y'all think because your mama go to church or daddy will go to church, you went to church with grandmama, that you're automatically saved. I'm a Christian. Uh-uh-uh-uh-uh. Unless you have a personal relationship with the Son of God, you are not a Christian. Unless you are born again, like Jesus told that old man named who? Nicodemus, you must be what? Born again. Born again. So he said, come with fruits of repentance. Otherwise, you got to change your life, little kids. You got to stop being who Jesus said you're not to be.
Read the word of God and you'll learn it. And the best thing for everybody here, every last one of us, repent. That's what Paul says to these, these elders. He said, listen, I preach repentance among you. You can't stay the same. And nowadays, that's a rare thing in churches, preaching repentance. If you're sinning, stop it. That's repentance. Stop it and turn back to who? To God, to Jesus. That's what God requires. He does. If you're lying, stop it. And any other type of sin, not just lying. So, he said he went from house to house. It's a little warm in here, isn't it? He said he went from house to house, preaching, teaching the gospel, testifying to the Jews, and also to the Greek. That's us. Repentance towards God and faith towards our Lord Jesus Christ. So, it's not just enough to stop sinning, but you got to do something for Jesus. You got to place your trust in him. Okay? You have got to place your trust in Jesus, no matter what. Why my wife said the devil is a liar. What does that mean? She's placing her trust in the Lord Jesus Christ that he's going to work this thing out. Now, I want to say something that, that, that kind of was just a little bit misunderstanding. Someone said, uh, you give it to God and he'll work everything out. Mm -hmm. I, I want to tell you that God is never your last results. God is all of your results. Exactly. From the beginning to the end. Amen? Never the last results. You don't use God like that. Amen? And so as we go on here, look what he's about to tell them that's going to happen in verse 22. He's going to say, and see now, I go bound in the what? Spirit. Spirit where? Jerusalem. To Jerusalem. That is a warning that something is about to happen to her. Because bound does not, doesn't sound good, does it? Bound is another way that somebody's going to put you in bondage. That's what that means. That means somebody is going to capture your heart. They're going to capture your body and make you go places that you don't want to go. He said, this is what's going to be awaiting me when I get to Jerusalem. Are any of you aware What's ahead of you, the church? Are any of you aware what's going to happen to you as saints of God in the future? If you live long enough, do you realize you are going to be bound? You're going to be shackled. You're going to be handcuffed. And you're going to be not just jailed, but you're going to be beat and maybe killed before you get to the jail. For believing in Jesus. Oh, for them, it's okay to believe in God, but it's not the same God. Okay? It's okay to believe in a God. But when you put Jesus, that means now you're only talking about one. Jesus' Father. The Lord God himself. Amen? So it says, this is what's going to be waiting me. Not knowing the things that will happen to me there. He knows something's going to happen, but he doesn't know what it is. Now, how would you like to be on that trail, on that mission for the Lord, knowing that 
hey, I got to keep going. Because he could have put his tail between his leg and turned around like a coward. Amen? But instead, he's going to do what? Listen to what the word of God through the man of God tells you and I, Maurice Nelson. We can draw strength and courage from this word right here. It says here, except that the Holy Spirit testifies in every city saying that chains and tribulation awaits me. I mean, every word this brother has gone and preached, the Holy Ghost reminded him, there's still Jerusalem. St Even though Paul got his butt kicked in a lot of cities, did y'all know that? He was beaten, stoned, and even left for dead. And yet, the Holy Ghost said, there's something worse yet facing you. It's waiting on you. Huh? But you got to keep going, son. Then what is he saying? But none of these things move me. Do you love the Lord Jesus Christ that much to say to God, I don't care, Lord. I'm going anyway because you say go. My life doesn't matter to me. Are you at that point in your Christian walk right now that you can actually tell the Lord Jesus Christ, Lord, I don't care if they kill me. I don't care if they beat me up. I don't care if they throw me in jail. Are you there? Are you at that point in your walk with the Lord? If you're not at that point in your walk with the Lord, then you got to work on that relationship. Amen. Because that's what's required. Your life no longer belongs to you. When you surrender to the Lordship of Jesus Christ, your life no longer belongs to you. Your life doesn't matter to you anymore. It matters to God. That's why I don't understand why are certain congregations suffering more than others? Why some seem to be blossoming and growing and seem like from the outside, everything is going well? Because the people in those congregations are making huge sacrifices, even if they are going in the wrong direction, some of them. Not all of them. But when you're willing to be like this, sell completely out and say to God, listen, I don't care. I'm going anyway, Jesus, because the Holy Ghost has commissioned me. He has strengthened me to go. Now, Mr. David, you understand military operation pretty good because you, you, you're a man of your caliber, your, your background. What makes a man run towards a hell of bullets? Brothers. What, what, what makes a, a man run into a house full of fire for a stranger that he doesn't even know? Risk his life and pull that baby out of that bed, dragging him to safety. Okay? And knowing that any moment that roof could collapse in on both of them and kill them both. Because there's something in that person's inner being tell them that, that that life, that mission to save that life is more than their own lives. And that's what was driving this man, Paul, that the Holy Spirit in him for the love of Christ was driving him beyond his own personal safety. And that's what we have to be, young Trinity. We've got to be willing to go no matter what. Even if it means, Michaela, not being popular anymore among your friends. And she loved being popular among her friends. Okay? 
Even if people, as you like to say at Maurice, they tried me. They tried me. We used to say in my day, they don't punk me. Okay? Even if it comes to that, you must go on anyway. And so, look what it says. But none of these things move me, nor do I count my life dear to my self. Last night, Deke and I stay here at 1120. It was a lot of work to be done in here last night. I was tired. And finally, I got to the point, I said, you know what? I'm going home. I said, you got your key? You can lock up. But we knew that this building had to be presented for the Lord, for worship. And it couldn't stay the way that it was. Even though we both worked, Miss Nelson worked me like a dog at home yesterday. I'm telling you, y'all need to get her for that. He worked, he worked on his job. But for the love of Christ, we still press on this sister come in after working. Enslaved in that kitchen the other day and straightened it up. That's that I don't care about me mentality. I care about Jesus. He don't have to come here. This man is a professional guitar player. You know how many people want to be able to come out there and be with this guy as he's playing? Do you know how many people want to hear this kind of talent? Where did he choose to put his talent? God for Jesus. Who are you giving your talents to? All right, moving right along. Joy says here, so that I may finish my race with what? What does he mean by uh, that I may finish my race? It's his task, where he's going. You're on the right track, but in this case, this is a metaphor speaking about his life. That I may finish my life with joy. You got to be kidding me. They're going to get a hold of you and they're going to beat you down. And you say you're going to finish your life with joy? Let me tell you. Joy doesn't come from how the physical body feels. Joy comes from what? How the inner man feels from the Lord Jesus Christ. By the Spirit of God in you. Amen? Amen. When I worked in the hospital as a chaplain for a short period of time, I used to come home and tell my wife some crazy story. And And there was a marked difference. There was a marked difference between Christians who were dying and non-Christians. I walked in the room and you can literally feel the glory of God in that place when God's children are dying. And then others, when you're walking, going, ew. You felt it, hadn't you? It's, it's just something about it. And I've had God's children tell me, this one lady, she was dying and she said, Chaplain, don't you come in here looking like that at me. I'm living. I'm going to be with my Lord. So don't come in here with no sad story. Don't come in here with counsel. She said, sit right there, young man. Yes, (laughs) ma'am. And for the next hour, you know what she did? She spent 
part of her strength, building me up. Preaching to me. Now she's dying. And she's bringing me up, bringing me, filling me full of life. <laughs> Amen? Amen? That's the people of God. That's the spirit of God in us. And so, it said, when I finished my race with joy and the ministry which I received from the Lord Jesus to testify to the gospel of the grace of God. And indeed, now I know that you all among whom I have gone preaching the kingdom of God will see my face no more. He said, I'm not going to ever come back again. Because his work in Ephesus had been what? Finished, had been done, completed. Okay? Therefore, I testify to you this day that I am innocent of the blood of all men. I mean, he told them the truth. He didn't sugarcoat anything. He did not sugarcoat the gospel. You know how people like to tell you what you want to hear to make you feel good and you're still a sinner? Yeah. Paul would tell you, boy, you better stop that stealing and get things right with God. Maybe not that vocal, but at least he told you. Amen. And he got in your face and said, look, you know that the Lord said, honor your mother and your father so that your life, that your days will be prolonged upon the earth. Are you doing that now, young man? That would have been Paul. Paul would have said, leave that man's wife alone. Go home to your own wife. Your adulteress. In front of everybody. Now, Shannon, how would you like to be in among Paul when he says stuff like that? Most of them gone. <laughs> yeah. All right. Because she told it like it is. All right, moving right along. So he says he's innocent. For I have not shown to declare to you the whole counsel of God. What is the whole counsel of God? The gospel truth. That is the entire counsel of God. Deacons, when you're out there talking to people about God, do not hold back. Do you hear me, young people back there? Caitlin, when you're sharing Jesus with people, even when they are opposing and want to say, well, why would God send me to hell? I haven't hurt anybody. You say, but there's one thing you lack. But what's that? Jesus. That is the final denomination. I don't care how good of a person you are. If you don't have Jesus, you're still going to be eternally separated from God. Now, does that make sense to everybody here? Therefore, take heed to yourselves and to all the flock among which the Holy Spirit had made you overseers. And that word overseers is where the Englishman, the real Englishman, took it and turned it into bishop. So that they can put their little hierarchies up there. Do you see the difference now how man can get in and mess things up? When God was talking about overseers, he, he didn't meant for you to go and lord over his people. He just simply say, oh, you the one in charge? Why you let this happen to my people? Why didn't you know what was going on with this family? Why didn't you know what was going on with that one right there? You the overseer. And they, they didn't have telephones to call each other back then. 
Say, hey, Brother Dave, uh, I got this little problem. You're going, what is it? Uh, you need to come see. They didn't have that means of communication. So them brother had to get on the mule or they had to get on Shoe Leather Express. What is Shoe Leather Express? Okay, and get the trucking. Okay. And find out what's going on with God's people. Are y'all hearing me? If you are in a leadership position in the church, God has charged you to get off your duffel bag and I'm going to say it, I don't care. Get up off your butt and go do your job. Amen. Go see what's going on with God's people. Get to know them. How in the world are you going to know what's going on with them if you're not talking to them? Whenever she's not here, I ask her, she said, where's y'all? Shana, Shana, Shana. <laughs> One of those up there. Okay. What's going on with her? Well, she's working. Okay. Tell her she need me, call me. All right? Where's the mirror? Uh, I don't know. Uh, can you go find out for me? Do you notice that the leader is doing what? He's tending the flock by delegating to other flock members because you can't do it all by yourself. Because that's why Paul said, Ephesian, what? Elders. That's plural. Not one person. All of us got to do this job. Amen? Amen? All right. We'll get to the end of this, and then we're going to jump over to Ephesians 1 for a little bit. So it says here, the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to shepherd the church of God, which he has purchased with his own blood. Do you know the name for shepherd is the same name for pastor in Greek? It is an identical word, the same word. So you remember when the angel went to the shepherds about in the field at night? I say remember because I hope you have read it. So another way to look at it, Brother Dave, that they went to the pastors about watching over their flock at night in the pastor. Pastors in the pastor. Does that make sense? Where the flock is. In the pastor. So you're supposed to be where those shepherds were out there. So he said it. You're shepherding the flock. Is everybody getting something here? Because y'all looking at me like, it's hard in here. We don't want to hear this. Please do hear this. Amen? Verse 29, for I know this, that after my departure, what's going to happen next? After my departure, what's going to happen? Crystal, he says, after my departure, listen to the language here. Savage wolves. Savage wolves will do what? Will come in among you, not sparing the flock. You got people out there who are perpetrating the fraud, tell you they love Jesus, and they've been sent by the Holy Ghost, and they give some fancy story, and then people buy into their little lies, and they come in, they set them up in positions in the church, and their main purpose is to do what? Destroy the flock. And they don't necessarily have to be in positions of, uh, uh, of, of authority in the church. 
They can just be what they call a regular church member, come in and reap nothing but pure hell. Yeah, you heard me say it. Always causing confusion. Always. And you go, oh, well, I don't want to offend them. You better get in that person's face and offend because you got people going out the door. So they ain't ever coming back as long as that person is there. You even heard me say one night to one guy that come in doing Bible study, reaping all kind of sin. And I said, devil, get out here. Get out the door now. People, you must protect God's people. Every one of you have the capability of detecting people who want to cause disturbances among God's children. And you have the wisdom and the knowledge and the understanding from God the Father and Jesus Christ our Lord to know and understand that this is what's going on. And you have the strength of the Holy Ghost to step up and say, oh, no, the devil's a liar. Stop right now. Get, get your butt out of here. I have physically said to people, get your butt out of here or I'll put you out. Because you have got to protect God's people. Amen. You don't let God's people get beat up because somebody say, oh, it's political correct. Okay. Political wreck your butt on the other side of the street. Okay. Well, come in here with that mess. So he's, he's giving them some pretty, pretty good warning here. And then it says here, verse 30, also from among yourselves, men will rise up. Speaking perverse things to draw away the disciples after themselves. Therefore, watch and remember that for three years I did not cease to warn everyone night and day with tears. What does it mean, rise up from among you? People from your own neighborhoods, your own communities, your own congregations. You got to even watch them. Because some of them going to rise up. Hmm, who do you think he is? You remember that was part of the claim that uh, Moses' brother and sister, especially the sister, she just had that mouth going like this. And she told her brother, you're not the only one who God talked to. God talked to us too. Whoa. Last time I checked, you weren't there doing the ten plagues, you know, standing before Pharaoh. Moses was. You weren't there when God said, stretch out your staff over the water. You weren't holding that staff. Moses was. And you certainly weren't the one that went over on top of the mountain because God would have killed you if you'd have touched the mountain. Mm -hmm. Amen? Amen. And so they got in their brother's face and was like, God worked with us too. You're not the only one. A spirit of jealousy, a spirit of pride, and God dealt with it very swiftly. And the one that had all the mouth, he gave her leprosy. Huh. <laughs> yeah. Harsh right away. So you got to protect one another. That's what he's telling these church members. He's telling these church leaders, everybody, we have a responsibility to protect one another. Amen. All right? So now, my brother, I commend you to God and to the word of his grace, which is able to build you up and give you an inheritance among all those who are sanctified. Okay, I give you, the word commend means I place you back into God's what? Care. And that the word of God is able to do what with you? Build you up. Another way to make you grow, to mature you, so that you will be complete in Christ. In fact, he will write that in more detail in, in the letter that he writes to them. He will explain that more. 
And so, what is he telling the Ephesian elders? Get in the word of God. Okay? And follow it. Obey it. Keep it. Because it's going to help you grow in your relationship with God the Father and Jesus Christ the Son of God. That's why we got to have these babies in here. Uh, uh, for a while here, WOC has stopped doing what we're supposed to do with children. And our primary purpose is to teach children what? The Word of God. Who's teaching y'all now? I am, once again. Say, so come on. Have a seat, whether they like it or not. Because I'll shut the ministry down for the after, they, after school program. If they don't want to participate in it, hey, uh -uh, I'll go find some other kids that want to. Because that's why you're here. Not to have fun. Amen? Amen. Now, as we march right along, look at this. I have not, he said, I have coveted no one silver or gold or prayer. Isn't it amazing how people that, that, that work in this position, their hands are what? Stretched out to the congregation. What does this mean? What does this mean? Yeah, I want something. Give me. Give me. Give me. Listen what the brother says about that. Yes, you yourselves know that these hands have provided for my necessities and for those who were with me. I have shown you in every way by laboring like this that you must support the weak. And remember the words of the Lord Jesus that he said, it is more blessed to give than to what? Me and Miss Nelson give all the time to this ministry. Y'all just don't know it. And you know what? Others here give. I can point to every adult here and say, you give something. But you got to keep on giving. Even if it hurts. Because the ministry can't go on without you giving. God requires it. And when he had said these things, he knelt down and prayed with them all. Then they all wept freely and fell on Paul's neck and kissed him. Sorry, most of all, for the words which he spoke, that they would see his face no more, and they accompanied him to the ship. That was the last time they would see this man alive. They would get a letter from him. Here's that letter for the next few minutes. Ephesians chapter 1. And you know what? This is one of the most powerful letters in all the New Testament outside of the four Gospels of Jesus Christ. This man writing to this church. And later, Maurice Nelson, they would get the bad news that Paul had been killed. He had been beheaded. And I can only imagine what went through the heart of these elders. They knew this man very intimately. Listen to what the Holy Ghost, by the order of Jesus Christ, the Son of God, appointed by God himself, 
do with this church. Watch this. Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God. In other words, it was God's decision to make Paul an apostle. Because remember, this man was a killer of the church. But God chose him to be a member of it. And not just a member, but to be one to go and set him up. To preach the gospel to those whom he was persecuting. To the saints who are in Ephesus and faithful in Christ Jesus, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. And you notice there, Paul always opened his letters with absolutely beautiful salutations. Warm greetings, okay? He doesn't go in raising sand right away, Deke. Okay? And for this particular church, he doesn't do that at all. This is one church, his, his letter. He doesn't hammer them at all. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. This is called the doxology. Who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ. Okay? First of all, when people greet you, in the, in the mornings or in the afternoons, they say, how are you? You should respond with what? I'm what? I'm blessed. Why? Because Paul said that we are blessed with Christ in what? In heavenly places by God himself. So every child of God is blessed. Amen. He said what? Every spiritual blessing. That means God has just opened the doors of heaven to you and me. And whatever Christ has, we have. Amen. Amen? God has put us in the same family as he has his son. That's amazing, isn't it? I love that. And the devil don't want you to know this. Because now, do you know what Paul is doing with this church now? See, before he went to get them to be disciples of Christ. Now he's growing them. Now he's getting them to understand who they are. And whose they are. Does that make sense to you? Okay. And so once you realize who you belong to and what he has done for you, you can actually go further in life than what you have ordinarily been able to do on your own. Because now you got heaven backing you. Okay. Uh-huh. Amen. Somebody heard it. Now, look at this. Just as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before him in love. Other words, Caitlin and Trinity, God by the Lord Jesus Christ, before Jesus even made the world, decided long ago that you were going to be his daughters. Period. And that you will be in the likeness and the image of God and Christ. And your life, as God looked down, you will be that person that's walking holy. You wouldn't, you wouldn't be the flames of boy that's walking all kind of ways in the world. Okay? You will be holy and beautiful and just before God, your Savior. Okay? That's what you all right? <laughs> and so that's what you will be. Because Jesus had decided long ago that Abigail, Aiden, uh, what's your name, son? Matthew, <laughs> Emma, what's the other one? Colby, uh, uh, you've been hit one time. 
CJ and whoever else you are, the twins back there, that you would be like Jesus to God. When, when, when God looks at you, here's what he's going to see. He said, little, little, little bit of Jesus walking around. Are you getting that? He, he, he sees a little versions of his son walking around heaven. Isn't that amazing? And, and the father looks down from his throne and goes, that's my boy. And, he, and Jesus goes, yeah, I know he looked just like me, pops. <laughs> Amen? <laughs> and so, to God be the glory. And that's what Paul is telling them. Once you realize who you are in Christ Jesus, boy, that, that could make your day. Even if you have to go in among dying patients. You go, <laughs> I'm a daughter of God. Death don't scare me. And even though I know this patient is getting ready to go, Lord God, I knew you got him. Amen? Amen. Even though I got a hard-head child, <laughs> God got him. Amen? Whatever the situation is, because you belong to Jesus, God got you. And, and if God's got you, guess who's surrounding God and Lord Jesus? Do y'all know? Trillions upon trillions upon trillions of angels are around the throne. And if you're in the family of God and God see you running around the throne, guess who's surrounding you? All those angels. Now tell the devil, bring it on. You want to mess with me? Bring it on. I'll put my brothers on you. Get them, Gabriel. In Jesus' name, get them. Amen? Oh, y'all said, oh, that's a little far-fetched. You better open your eyes and see your spiritual blessings. Okay? And then he goes on to tell you something so absolutely wonderful. Not only did he choose you before the foundation of the world, he said that we should be holy and without blame before him in love. In other words, you're not that nasty sinner that God looked down and said, hmm, and grieved the heart of God every day. God said, mm -mm. and Jesus' blood has washed you clean. And God looks and sees. Mm. He doesn't see you, Brandy, as you see yourself. You know, you look in the mirror, and if you just can't get your hair a certain way, if you just can't get your blouse a certain way and your pants on a certain way, or uh, your makeup just right, y'all begin to have fits and doubt how you look. Or you may wake up on the wrong side of the bed and feel rotten, right? But to God, you're still the same beautiful child that his son redeemed with his own blood. There's no difference. Amen? You're still the same. And guess what else? Look here closely with me. Not only in love, he says, okay, but what? Having predestined us to adoption as sons. That word right there is so important to understand. Before Jesus Christ came to the cross and shed his blood, God had decided that he would take Belinda Nelson with her hateful self, because that's what she was before she came to Christ. Right? God, it's just a metaphor. 
Here, take that, 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 that young lady by the blood of Jesus and cleaned her life up. God had decided that he would take a sinner and transform that sinner into a beautiful, loving person in the image of his son, Jesus. And he would say, that's my daughter. Or he would say, that's my son. See, that's what God sees. And God brings you into his eternal family through the blood of his son, Jesus. But what the world does, kind of like the FBI crime record. You know what I'm talking about, sinner? The FBI crime record said if you ever got a ticket or if you ever stopped by the police and it went in on the airway, guess what? There's a record of it in the FBI crime record center. So people will always know your past. Are you hearing me? If you messed up with the law, people will always know your past. But the good thing about God when he determined that you would be adopted into his family by his son, Jesus, your past doesn't matter anymore because by the blood of Jesus, it doesn't exist anymore. Amen. It is done away. Well, once and for all, Jesus took it as Paul wrote to the letter in the letter to the Colossian church. He nailed it to the tree with him. Bam. It does not exist anymore. Okay. And so, as we get ready to close this out today, beautiful letter. Take the time and read it and absorb it. Look what he says to them. So not only are you adoption of sons by Jesus Christ to himself, according to the good pleasure of his will, to the praise of the glory of his grace, by which he made us acceptable in the beloved. Who's the beloved? Who's the beloved? Yeah. Jesus. Remember when Jesus was being baptized, the heavens opened and the dove came down and God spoke. He said, this is my son. This is my, oh, now you caught it. My beloved son. That's the beloved, Jesus. In him we have redemption through his what? Blood. What is redemption? That means God by, the, by Jesus Christ has redeemed you. Redemption means that God went in by his son and paid a price to get you back. And, and, and black folks in here, I'm going to tell you something. And I can say it like that. And you can call me a racist. I don't care. I'm going to give you the truth. Black people used to be sold on auction blocks as slaves. And the masters-to-be would go and pay money for them. Okay? Now, in those days, there were some good white folks, and there's always been good white folks, and there will always be good white folks. Am I right? Like in all the races. Some of them would, 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 would use that as a, as a disguise to take and buy the slaves and not to put them on, far, on their farms as slaves, but keep them as their children. Treat them like their family members. And they wouldn't treat them as the other slave owners would treat them. Did you know that? Okay. Now imagine us being slaves to sin. Because sin is a spirit. So, and Satan owned that spirit called sin. So we're slaves to who? Satan. When Jesus came by his blood, he went to the auction block of Satan. And he redeemed us back by his own blood. 
By his own blood, Jesus paid the price that was necessary to get us out of the slavery of sin and bring us not only back. You know what's so marvelous? He didn't just bring you and set you free from that. But he said, I'm putting you in my house and not just putting you in my house for safekeeping. I'm putting you in my house as my sons and my daughters and my eternal kingdom, the kingdom of God. Amen. And that's what redemption means. That means it, it was paid for. And Peter will later write, he said, you would not redeem what, what corruptible things like silver and gold, but by the precious blood of Jesus Christ. Amen. That's how we were set free. Amen. Amen. And what's really sad, everybody, look at me for a second, because we're getting ready to close. What's really sad is that the world out there, majority of the world out there doesn't know that. It doesn't know that it's still in slavery. And if you go to them and you use this kind of language to them, they're going to think you're crazy. What do you mean I'm a slave? Who are you calling a slave? No, 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 no. Let, let me break it down to you. Do you belong to Jesus? No, I don't even know him. Okay, you're a slave. Well, who am I a slave to? You're a slave to sin. And just by you saying who am I a slave to, automatically say you're a slave because you're without knowledge. You're without knowledge of the one true God and his son, Jesus. So you're a slave. Okay. Jesus said, you would know the truth and the truth shall set you what? Free. Free. What is the truth? The word of God. That's knowledge. Okay. And so once you come under this knowledge and you know what God's son has done for you and that you can't get into the economy of God, another word for the house of God, the family of God, or the kingdom of God, you can't get there without the blood of Jesus. You cannot go and buy your freedom with currency. Okay. You can't go and put your debit card in the, in the machine and draw $10,000 and set yourself free. It is impossible. One drop of the blood of Jesus have saved you from eternal damnation. Okay? That's where it comes from. And so, as you're looking on, the forgiveness of sins. That means, Trinity, no record of your wrongdoing. God, by Jesus, has set you free from that penalty to, to come. According to the riches of his grace, which he made to abound towards us all. And what? Wisdom and prudence. That's, that's human reasoning, but not human reasoning as such as we know it, like logic and stuff. But, but who? In God. Having made known to us the mystery of his will. What's that? That you Gentiles should be saved too. That is the mystery of, the, of God himself. That Gentile also would be saved. All right? According to his good pleasure, which he proposed in himself. God made himself happy by bringing you and I into his kingdom by his son Jesus. Are y'all listening to this? God made him ha himself happy when he chose Brandy. Brandy didn't come to God on her own. She didn't come to Jesus on her own. God made himself happy. I'm going after her and I'm going to deliberately get her. She's going to be mine, said the Lord. Same thing for you, Tamara. God went after you. He deliberately went after you and pulled you out of Satan bondage like this. Okay? That's what he do. You didn't resist that one, did you? Notice I didn't do that to Mr. David. He got up fighting. All right. More than what I want to go for over right now, we'll get to the rest of it next week, according to the Lord's will.
But God himself made himself. It's in verse 10 that in the dispensation of the fullness of time. What does that mean? Dispensation of the fullness of time. What is a dispensation? Anyone here know? It, perfect timing? Well, well, perfect timing, yes. Dispensation is another way to look at season. A time period. Okay? And so in the fullness of God's time and God's economy, God's purpose, God's decision, he said, there they go. Go get them. What? You go. Where are you from? Sandra, where are you from? What's your home? Where are you from? Fort White. Before that, where are you really from? Ohio. Ohio. Where'd you got saved at? In Ohio? Ohio. Columbus. Okay. Columbus. Oh, yeah, I've been there. Listen, that's what God said. At the perfect time, what year was it? You're that old? No, just picking on you. Okay, listen. What has happened here? Look at me, Trinity. Y'all got to learn some as we get ready to go home. So see this beautiful young lady sitting up here? God picked the year. Okay? He picked the month. He picked the week. He picked the day. He picked the hour, the moment, and the second that he would send his spirit to get this young lady. He knew exactly when the gospel would be presented to her. And when he did, he had decided that at that moment, that the moment was right, the timing was right. For her to be transitioned from that old life that was destined for hell to be transformed into the image of the likeness of the Son of God. Because God, long before he created this world, decided that this young lady would belong to him. And here's the thing that you got to understand that the other two people in heaven also knew it. Well, what do you mean by that? God the Son, Jesus, also knew it. He had the same thoughts as the Father. And then God the Holy Ghost also had the same thoughts of the Father. And all three of them in agreement said, let's go get her. Amen. Hello. And the Word, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And when she heard the Word, the Holy Ghost said, I got her. He captured her heart. In John chapter 16, one of the gifts of the, and responsibility of the Spirit is to convict them of what? Of sin. He said, I got her. And she realized that day that she was a sinner before God, her Creator. And that God had sent His Son, Jesus, to save her. And that she was madly in love with him. Why? Because the Holy Ghost massaged that spirit that was once against God and turned that heart of stone into a heart of flesh that was madly in love with Jesus right away. And he pulled her into his eternal kingdom as she surrendered to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. She repented. And she'd been with God 73 years. <laughs> I'm just cutting the food. Okay? And so, everybody, God chose you in the dispensation of time. God's timing was perfect. And God's timing is still perfect. Still going out to people. In August 28th, 2016, High Springs, Florida. God, by the Holy Ghost, is still going out to people and bringing them into the eternal presence of the living Christ. And Christ our Lord is saving them. And their names have been written in the Lamb's Book of Life. Amen? Yes. And that's what it's all about.
That's what's important, boys and girls. This is what the Lord Jesus Christ wants you to see, that he deliberately goes after you. And I've seen it. Why would God want to go after a drunk? My wife's seen it. Brother named Jeff Jemison. Come to the church, a Friday night service, drunk as a skunk. His wife, Annette. Am I saying her name right? Wrong one. Annette, the one that wouldn't let his wife drive or give her the checkbook. And you used to drive around the places. He was a drunker. And he came into the church one Friday night. And you know what? I knew God was going to get him because I had stopped by choir rehearsal some time earlier. And he was standing at the back door of the church. And I smelled the liquor on him. And I said, Brother Jemison? He said, yes. Pastor? I said, I want to come visit you. Me and my wife, we're going to come visit you and your wife. He said, you'll do that for me? I said, sure. He said, but I don't even go to church. I said, it doesn't matter to God. I'm coming to see you. And we went and visit them and come back. But in God's appointed time, we're going to close out with this testimony. In God's appointed time, that Friday night service, guess who brought a drunk man to church? The Spirit of the living God brought that drunk man to church. And there kneeling at what we call the altar, that drunk man knelt down and he cried out to the living God as the Holy Ghost was massaging his heart, his spirit, and let him see how he really looked before God who was holy. And as he seen himself in reality in the spirit, Knowing that in the absence of Jesus, there was only one place for him. That's eternal separation from God and the lake of fire. And you know what? God, by his great love, kept pouring out into that man at that altar. And that man cried out to the living God. And he said, Jesus, save me. And I'm here to tell you today, 20 Five years later, no longer than that, isn't it? Tw- 28 years, I guess, something, something near that. Melissa was a baby. That man came to the altar drunk as a skunk, reaping with alcohol, left sober with no smell of alcohol on him, and saved. When the Holy Ghost went in him, the spirit of alcoholism and all its effects came out of him. Just like that. And it was a difference in this man, night and day. And me and my wife, on a visitation to their home, shortly after he was saved, watched that man do something that his wife said since all the years they had been married he had never done before because he used to get drunk and go and stay in the barracks two three days at a time you remember that sweetheart you know what he did she said the wife said pastor he won't let me no no what it was he won't give me the checkbook and I said to him I said brother the Lord said you and your wife are one so what belonged to you belonged to her without question that man took his reached in the back pocket, pulled his checkbook out, and put it in his wife's hand. And I guess since the gun was good, she turned around and said, and Pastor, he won't let me drive the... And so he took the keys out. She didn't have a license, but you know what she did? She handed the keys to my wife. I don't know if you remember that. She handed the keys to my wife, to their van. 
Well, she was on the roll. She was on the roll. She said, "Why well, I'm feeling good. I might as well get all I can get. Okay? But that's what, Lord Jesus, that's what God would do with a life. Because God had chosen this man, regardless what he looked like and was on earth, God had saw him differently. Amen? Amen. Washed in the blood of the lamb, cleaned up. And so, as we close out, this is a powerful letter. I didn't even get to the three parts that Paul was telling them about, did I? Boy, it was enough already there. Lots, lots and lots in that little, little letter there, isn't it? Take your time. Go through it. And be like the Ephesian elders. Be like Paul himself and the Holy Ghost. Give up your life for Jesus. Don't hold on to what's yours. The most precious thing to us is not what we have in material things. The most precious thing to us is us. And that's what you got to give up. That's the hardest thing to give up is us to the Lord Jesus Christ. But once you do that, You'll be amazed how you're going to grow in the spirit of the living God. Once you surrender self, and I'm here to tell you right now, please bow with me if Miss Vick is, is playing. Some of you all have not surrendered yourselves to the Lord Jesus Christ. Even though you're saved, you're still holding on to that control part of you. You haven't quite given up because you're afraid to. You don't know what's going to happen to you. Like Paul said, I, I, I don't know, but I don't care. And that's the kind of attitude we have to have. Lord, I know there's no good waiting for me in Jerusalem. But I don't care. I don't care about my life. I care about Jesus. So every head bowed, I'm going to ask you. Will you this day, this moment? Because I assume now we're talking to all saved people in here. Everybody, if you've given your life to Jesus, will you raise your hand so I know who you are? So that means everybody in here, praise God. So now listen, if you have completely surrendered your life, drop your hands. If you have completely surrendered your life to Jesus, the Holy Spirit doing something different with you now. If you have completely, unconditionally surrendered your life to Jesus, even though you're saved, if you've done that, will you raise your hand too? Let the Holy Ghost know. I know you already know. Uh-huh. Some of you hadn't raised your hands. Okay. And that's what God wants to see. Now, drop your hands. Now, here's the next thing. You know where the Spirit's going with this. Will you right now, by the Spirit of the living God, surrender your life to Jesus unconditionally? Because the Lord, to be honest with you, Jesus don't want a life that he has to constantly pull back and forth. He wants a life that completely surrendered to him. Will you now, by the Holy Spirit of the living God, surrender your life 100% to Jesus? Give him total control over you. Will you do that now? Will you pray right now? I want you to pray right where you are. So, dear Jesus, dear Jesus. I surrender my life 100% to you. That all that I am belong to you. And all that I have 
belong to you. And whatever you want me to do, I, I will do it. I surrender it to you. For the glory of the Father and for the glory of you, the Son of the living God. Father, I pray now in Jesus' name that you have heard the prayers of your children. Lord, that you will fill them with a fresh anointing from heaven right now by the Holy Ghost in Jesus' name. Fill them, Lord. Give them the confidence and the boldness to know now that it's by Jesus I live and move and have my being. And no matter what the Lord wants, the Lord gets because I belong to him. And I renounce this world and I pick up the mantle of God in Christ Jesus and I walk with Jesus the rest of my life. In Jesus' name I pray, amen, amen. Give the Lord a raise. Woo! The Lord is something else, ain't he? Amen. And I guess one of y'all going to do your thing up here, you deacons, and then we're going to close out with our exit song. Amen. Father, we thank you. We thank you so much, Lord, for teaching us to know more about Lord Jesus. Yes, Father. What he had done for us. We thank you, Father. And we praise you and thank you for your awesome word. Help us, Lord, to apply it to our life. Father, we thank you that you showed us first to be your children. And Lord, we ask that you will be with us and to share your word the gospel, the good news, the people that are that you put in front of us, Father. Be with us in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Amen.